Proverbs chapter number 23. Proverbs chapter number 23 and verse number 7. We have so many folks out of town on vacation. I'm thankful that people are able to get away. And uh, we have, I think, 36 young people at camp meeting in North Carolina. Uh, we had to take three vans. Isn't that exciting? Amen. That's awesome. So uh, the ones that didn't get to go to camp, they're stuck with me tonight. And so I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. But, uh, but it's good to, have, good to have these young people here with all of us uh, less young people, right? <laughs> Amen. Proverbs 23 and 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm going to read it again since it's so short. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me tonight to open your word. I pray, God, for your blessing, for your anointing. Let the seed of your word find good ground. God, help us to grow in faith. Help us to be strengthened tonight. God, I feel like you've spoken to me today. For somebody in this place tonight that needs this word, I thank you, God, for the power that comes from the anointed word of God. I thank you, God, because it is a seed that brings forth fruit to harvest in our life. That if we'll mix it with faith, God, that it will help us to grow in grace. Lord, I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to talk to you tonight about thinking that produces happiness. Thinking that produces happiness. John Milton wrote in Paradise Lost. He said, The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. His message was clear that a person's mental state can make a wonderful situation seem terrible or a terrible situation seem wonderful. Our mental disp disposition makes a huge difference. It was true when Milton wrote that in the year 1674 and it's still true now. I read a shocking poll in a book one time. It was, the poll was actually taken in 2004. It was conducted by the Harvard Crimson newspaper, the newspaper for the university, Harvard University. It found in their poll that four in five Harvard students suffer from depression at least one time during the school year. And nearly half of all students suffer from depression that was, quote, so debilitating that they could barely function. Four out of five, and then at least half to the point that they could not 
function. When you think about the students at Harvard, the most prestigious university in America, filled with our best students from the most affluent levels of our society, these students were either extremely smart, extremely wealthy, or both. And yet four out of five were depressed. Half suffered from depression so debilitating that they could not function. It tells us that happiness is not dependent on intelligence and happiness is not dependent on finances. Most of the things that we think bring happiness don't make us happy at all. A 2010 poll revealed that 45% of workers interviewed were happy at their jobs. 45% of workers were happy at their jobs. That means that 55% of people were unhappy every day at work. American citizens have more across the board than we ever have. We have, by population, better homes, cars, clothes, education, health care, on and on and on. Yet, eight years ago, depression rates were ten times higher than they were in 1960. Since COVID, that rate has jumped 25% higher in the last two years. If you weren't depressed before I started this Bible study, you probably are now. The book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14 said, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? The NLT version of that same verse said, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? A wounded spirit, who can bear? When our mental state is strong, we can overcome sickness and obstacles, but when our spirit, when our mental state is discouraged, depressed, or low, it's hard to bear. Life is hard to bear. There are three categories of mental state. Positive, neutral, and negative. A negative mental state is classified as depressed. We may call it discouraged. Neutral is neither happy or sad, just getting by. But most doctors and psychologists spend their time trying to get people from negative to neutral, just trying to get them out of what is known as the danger zone where they may hurt themselves or someone else, trying to lift their spirit. But I believe that God wants us to be more than just neutral. God wants us to have joyful, peaceful, happy lives. Amen. Through Him. But we have to apply ourselves to learning skills necessary to maintain a positive outlook in a negative world. Amen. 
Proverbs 3 and 13 said, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Wisdom and understanding brings happiness. So we need to apply ourselves to learning. Wisdom and understanding will bring happiness. And so we need to ask God to help us to learn how to be happy. I will tell you that one of the greatest challenges we have in dealing with our new people that come to church, thank the Lord, we've, we've seen over 260 baptisms in the last two years, and thank God for that. Amen. Our grow classes, that's, amen. Thank the Lord. That's why we have three classes going on right now to try to help train our new people. But one of the most difficult challenges we have with people that are new, that, that come into the church, is that for much of their life, they have been trained to deal with difficulty and trouble and trial. Many of them have come out of difficult backgrounds and difficult lives. And they have ingrained habits of unhappiness. They have ingrained habits that lead to dysfunction and trial. And it's very difficult to train somebody how not to replicate drama and trouble and trial over and over and over. Amen. And so... The man that finds wisdom and gets understanding, the Bible said, happy is that man. And so part of our job is to train people on how to practice habits of happiness. You all know people that their life has been so difficult that they wake up almost every morning expecting something to go wrong. To the point that they create stuff. Praise God. Amen. In, uh, in, my, in my master's, my capstone project for my master's, one of the, uh, I, I wrote a curriculum and, and I, I did a, a research project. And one of the things that I discovered and that I wrote a little bit about was, uh, was something called drama addiction. I didn't know it was a thing. I just accidentally discovered it. But uh, I, I spoke, uh, I, I taught a series in our Be Free program and uh, one of those lessons was, was overcoming drama addiction. There are people that they become addicted to the adrenaline rush that comes with dramatic circumstances. And the more drama that they have, they get this, this, this chemical high in their, that, that comes from that. And often they create drama without even realizing it because now they're addicted to it. It's like a drug. But the Bible said, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. This does not mean that we won't have bad days or we'll be smiling spiritual zombies that, that when things go wrong, we just smile through it like robots. But it does mean that we can find a place of joy and happiness and peace in our life through the Word of God and through practicing the lessons of the word of God. Amen. Acts chapter number 20 and verse 23 and 24. 
The Bible said, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? The Apostle Paul said, the Holy Ghost told me that everywhere I go, I'm going to have bonds and afflictions. Man, if the Holy Ghost is going to tell me that, I'm not sure I want to listen. But that's what the Holy Ghost told Paul. He said, Paul, everywhere you go, you're going to have trouble. Everywhere you go, you're going to be bonds and afflictions. The Holy Ghost witnessed in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. How would you like to be the Apostle Paul? That everywhere God sends you, you know you're going to have to suffer a little bit. There's going to be jails. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be trial. There's going to be tribulation. The Holy Ghost said you're going to have to deal with bonds and afflictions. But here's what Paul said. Verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. He said, I'm not going to let these things move me. I'm not going to let them shake me. I'm not going to let them get me to quit and give up. He said, that so that I might finish my course with joy. He said, I know the Holy Ghost already told me I'm going to have bonds and afflictions, but I'm planning on finishing with joy. Man, that's powerful right there. That's powerful to know. Amen. What if the Holy Ghost in the morning told you you're going to have trouble everywhere you go today? You know what you're going to do? Turn out the light, stay in bed all day, and not go anywhere. Right? If you can. But Paul said, I'm not going to let those things move me. So that I can finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, I've made up my mind. I know I'm going to have to deal with stuff in life, but I'm not going to let it take from me the joy of understanding the end of my life is heaven. No matter what I go through down here, the end of my race is going to be good. I can endure whatever. Man, I, I was on a, I was on a, a flight one time, and if, if, if I book a flight and they don't, let me, they don't let me pick my seat, I cancel the flight. And I go book another flight because I'm not going to get caught in the middle of an aisle with my long legs and be stuck in the middle. Especially, I was on a 16-hour flight and, man, people fall asleep. And I'm not going to be stuck in the middle, cramped in there for 16 hours while these eggheads next to me sleep. And so I booked a flight. I could, they, they wouldn't let me pick my seat, so I canceled that flight and I booked another flight. And... Uh, and, and somehow on a flight to Qatar, I got stuck in the middle. And, and one guy on one side, he, uh, he, I don't think he ever had a girlfriend, and I don't think he ever wanted one. And, and, and the one on the other side didn't speak any English, so I somehow got stuck in the middle. And in my mind, before, before we took off, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I can't do this. I cannot sit here for 16 hours in the middle like this. And then I sat there and I said, you know what? You can do anything for 16 hours. I forced myself to change my mental outlook. 
And you know what I did? I went to sleep with the eggheads. <laughs> but at some point, you have to convince yourself that you can make it no matter what you're dealing with. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost told him, in every city, everywhere you go, bonds and afflictions. He said, but I'm not going to let this move me. I'm going to tell you, life is going to have ups and downs. Life's going to have difficulties. Life's going to have times of struggle. But if you'll make up your mind that you're not going to let it shake you off your foundation, you can finish your course with joy. Amen. Can I, can I tell you something else? Can I tell you something else? I've done a lot of funerals. Man, I've done a lot of funerals all over the country. And, uh, and by and large, I can tell you right now that some of the people that had the very least in this life had the happiest lives. Because it's a matter of approach to how you live and how you face life. Our brains are hardwired to perform at their best when we are in a positive outlook. You get more out of life. You draw people to you. People become successful because they're happy. They're not happy because they're successful. Amen. So if we learn biblical principles to help us train ourselves to become happy, we can live better lives. Dr. Sean Acor decided he, he, he was the, the source of this poll, four out of five Harvard students that were depressed. He, he decided that if four out of the five, four out of five students at Harvard were unhappy, he would study the one out of five that was happy. He wanted to see what it was about that, that 20% that made them happy when the 80% were discouraged and depressed. He talked in his book about the ripple effect. He said our attitudes don't only infect the people that we interact with directly, like our colleagues, our friends, our family. He said, but that each, he said, each individual's influence actually extends to people within three degrees. What he means by that is that my attitude affects the people around me. And the influence of my attitude on them affects the people around them and the people around the people that they affect, three degrees out. And he did research, and he said that the average person has a 1,000 people within three degrees of themselves. Think about that. A 1,000 people within three degrees. The people we really know, the people they really know, and the people they know no. That's confusing as it can be, isn't it? But he makes the point that if we just accept and just don't try to do anything to lift our own attitude, that we can impact a thousand people. But if we can make positive changes that make us happier and more productive and more positive, we can lift the people around us. And that's what we're called to do is lift the people around us. And so you don't have to just accept the negative outlook. You can apply the principles of the Word of God. 
Proverbs 23 and 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts make you. You don't make your thoughts. The Bible does not say as he is, so he thinks. It says as he thinks, so is he. God, help me to think like your word wants me to think. God, help me, God, to have a mindset that looks for faith and goodness and mercy and grace. One of the people I've loved the most in my life, for some reason, always felt like people didn't like her. She lived her whole life under the cloud of discouragement, thinking that people didn't care about her and people didn't like her. She was always looking for offense. People could offend her without trying because that's what she was looking for. If you're looking to be offended, you will find a reason, even if it doesn't really exist. She generated things. If, if somebody was just was, was thinking about what they needed to do tomorrow and happened to glance at her, she would think they were giving her a bad look and didn't like her. She lived her life that way. What she didn't realize is people adored her and loved her. Her funeral was filled with people that would come by. It was my own mother. They would come by and they'd say, your mom did this for me or your mom could, she did that. And, and, and her, hundreds of people showed up at her funeral to talk about how much they loved her, but she spent almost every day feeling like people didn't like her. As he thinketh in his heart, we must pray that God helped especially in a negative world. We need God's spirit to positively influence the way we think. Amen. I, I remember, and I, I might have spoken of this before a time or two, I'm, I'm getting to that point where I forget so much that every story I tell is brand new every time I tell it. One of my good friends, Brother Kenny Chesser, he says he likes to hang out with me because I forget his jokes and he can tell them to me every time like they're brand new and I laugh. But I, I, a few, several years ago, I had a, a couple that was coming to church at the time, and, and uh, they were always wanting to counsel. And uh, every few weeks, we'd have long, three-hour-long counseling sessions. I don't do that anymore. It's 45 or 50 minutes, and it's over. So if you want to counsel with me, just understand you're getting out in an hour or so, okay? Because I got kids, too. All right? But back then, I, I just let them go. Three hours, knock down, drag out nearly. Marriage session, arguing, accusations, frustration. Just, I mean, I just sit there and in my mind I'd say, God, you got to help me. I don't know what to do with these people. I tried every method that they teach in counseling classes I, that I knew. I, I had books that, I, that, that say, do this, do that. And I did this and did that. And it wasn't helping anything. And I was sitting in there one evening. And it was it was getting late in the afternoon, and uh, or in the evening, and I was and I was tired, and I was and I in prayer sitting in my office chair. I said, I, I prayed and I said, God, you got to give me something that I can say to help them, or at least get me out of this room. And the Holy Ghost, I felt like it was the Holy Ghost dealt with me, and so I told him, Here's what I want you to do: go home and read. At least one Bible verse together every day. And I said, and I want you to pray together every day, even if it's only for a few seconds. 
and play some kind of Christian music in your home for a few minutes every day. Well, they weren't as excited about it as I was. The goal was to change the atmosphere of their home. To, to, to somehow bring something positive into a very negative environment. And so I said, well, we'll meet again next week. I said, but you call me the day before and, uh, and, and, and we'll make sure it's set up. So we set up the appointment. I said, call me the night before we were supposed to meet next week. And so the night before they called Brother Carson and I asked him, I said, have you, all, have you all read at least one verse a day, prayed together every day, and listened to at, one, at least one Christian song together every day? And they said, no. I said, well, then I'm not meeting with you. I said, you have a, we'll meet next week, such and such a time. Call me the night before. But don't call if you haven't done it. Well, the next week they call. And I said, well, have you, have you read a Bible verse together, prayed together, and listened to a Christian song every day yes sir okay we'll meet tomorrow they said pastor we called to tell you we don't need to meet i've never had to meet with them again since just introducing changing the negativity and introducing positivity has astounding effects on somebody if you find yourself in a negative place start inserting the word of god now when I tell people that, I say pray together every day, but don't pray that the other one dies. <laughs> but it's a simple act of filling yourself with positive when the world is tr constantly trying to dump negativity on you. Your, what you feed your mind is what you will be. What you feed your mind is what you will be. If you hang out with negative complaining people all the time, you'll be a negative complainer. And if you think about it, then if you're always around negative, complaining people, it's probably because you're negative and complaining all the time. <laughs> Invest in positivity. Invest in happiness. I told a couple one time, if you'd try as hard to get along as you do trying to think of the next thing to fight about, if you'd spend as much time trying to think about something nice to say instead of trying to invent the best comeback you can have. Getting quiet now. Now I'm preaching. I said, if you'd try as hard to be happy as you do to be miserable, you guys would be the happiest people I know. You've got to invest in joy. You've got to invest in joy. You've got to invest in your joy, people. You'll be happier. You'll do better. you have a happier life. If you spend time with positive, joyful, full of faith people, you'll be positive, joyful, and full of faith. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren. I should have put this verse last because it said finally. Y'all have been around church enough to know when a preacher says finally, it doesn't mean anything. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, 
whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Oh, hallelujah. You want to know how you can have peace in 2022 in the world we live in? It's how you think. It's the things that you are willing to invest your thought life into. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Hallelujah. I got another verse. I didn't give them back there. It just came to my mind. But the Bible said, I would therefore that men pray everywhere lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. And you know, that verse encapsulates most of the battles that men face. Ladies, you females just say amen to me right now because I'm going to work on these guys for a minute, okay? I would that men pray everywhere. You know men struggle with having a prayer life because they don't connect emotionally as easy as women do, and so they don't connect emotionally in prayer. And so men struggle to develop a faithful prayer life. Men are more task-oriented. And Amen. I, that's, hey, you let that baby say amen to me. That might be the only one I get. I love the sound of babies in church. I'd much rather have the sound of babies in church than have no future. But, uh, but men struggle to pray. He said, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. Men, because we're so ego-driven, we sometimes struggle to be expressive in our praise. So he said, men, I need you to learn how to pray, and I need you to learn how to lift holy hands. We struggle to keep our hands pure, too, don't we? He said, without wrath, men lead to learn to control anger. I thought you ladies, you're afraid to say amen. You're afraid your husband would get mad, right? All right, you go ahead and just sit there and give me a good old denominational nod. I'll be all right. I can accept that. Men, do not use the excuse, well, that's just how I am. Because that's not acceptable in light of being Holy Ghost filled. Without wrath and doubting, men fight a struggle with faith. And so to combat those things man I, I i got i got men i'm i'm gonna have to fight my way out of here no i know i don't have to you are good you're good men but don't accept the natural weaknesses that come with being a man and leave them unchallenged by the holy ghost you will get in life what you accept in life so don't accept less than what the Bible tells you you can be. Amen. Amen. You have to be the gatekeeper of your thoughts. You have to be the gatekeeper of your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, what are the strongholds that need pulled down? Verse 5, casting down imaginations. Where are imaginations? The mind, right? How we think. And every high thing that exalts itself 
against the knowledge of God. Where's the knowledge of God? It's what we think, right? And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We must take the initiative to control our thought life. Praise God. Now, I'm, 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 I'm coming towards a close. My, my timer, I started it right when I started. It says I've been going 31 minutes and 23 seconds. And to me, it feels like twice that long right now. Several years ago, I went into a depression. I tried my best to dig my way out of it. I always was, I'd always been able to think myself out of stuff. And so when I found myself depressed... I tried to think my way out of it. The only time that I ever felt peace was when I was under the anointing preaching. And as soon as the anointing would lift, I would feel myself sinking back down in there. I began to isolate myself. I would slide out the side door as soon as I was done preaching because the thought of having to, to, to face people it just was almost overwhelming. I gave myself pep talks listing all the things I had in life that I should be happy about. But then after I did that, I felt worse because I should be happy and I did and I and I was deal it was it was a, a discouragement, a depression. All those feelings and thoughts began to feed on themselves. Stress of pastoring, grief from losing a loved one, pressure of dealing with, with situations, all of it compounded. I realized I had to make some changes on what I was feeding my mind. I quit listening to sports. I started listening to preaching. When I was mowing, I'd have my, my earbuds in and I'd be listening to preaching instead of, instead of uh, sports or whatever else. I quit listening to the news. Now, no, I'm not, I'm not preaching against the news, okay? I don't think I am. I might. I might. I quit listening to it. I'd ride down the road listening to, to, to the news, and it was all, it, they never tell you good news, only bad news, because they know that it addicts you to it. And the more I listened, the, the more discouraged I got with the country and the world and the government and this and that. And so I'm not telling you to quit. I'm telling you what I had to do to get my mental state in a better place. I finally decided that I was going to fill that same time that I would listen to all that with things that made me feel better, not worse. Because I began to understand, as a man thinketh, so is he. So I had to feed my mind with whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and good report. Because if there be any virtue or any praise, I've got to think on these things. Alcohol and, and, and illegal drugs are not the answer to your problem. Most of them are depressants that are actually making it worse in the long run. But at best, they're temporary. They don't address the underlying spiritual issues. There are some people I've only corrected two evangelists in all the time I've been pastoring. One of them was a rude jerk to some people during church, and so after I took him in the office and I yelled at him in a good Christian way. 
The other one, the other one preached something that I don't agree with. And so when, when he was done, I gently stepped to the pulpit and made my view clear. This particular preacher, who is a dear friend of mine, he made the comment that if you're depressed, you don't need medicine, you need an altar. Well, some people need medicine and an altar. There are some people who are predisposed to clinical depression, either genetically or whatever, because of trauma, something in their life, that they, they trend towards depression. And for that, I do believe that you need to seek professional Christian counseling and find help for that. Amen. Now, now, some preachers may disagree with me, but they're not the pastor of this church. I am. And I'm telling you that if you deal with chronic depression, we need to find you some professional help so that you don't get beyond the point where you can maintain your life. Amen. I knew we wouldn't shout a lot tonight, but, it, but if we'll get this in our spirit, I think we'll leave better, okay? All right? If you had a broken arm and you brought me a broken arm, I wouldn't say, well, just go to the altar to be all right. I'd say, get in the car. We're going to the emergency room. We're going to get your broken arm healed. If you came to me and you had, and, and you had, uh, you had pneumonia and I could hear you wheezing and coughing, I wouldn't say, well, just get down there for 30 minutes and when you get up, everything will be fine. I'll pray for you. We'll anoint you with oil. But at the same time, I'm going to say, you need to see a doctor. Had a guy helping me on my house the other day. His nail gun misfired, and he shot a nail right through his thumb, right through the bone. I got the picture on my phone to prove it. He calmly climbed down off the scaffold. I was down there talking to, to another worker. He climbed down. He was all the way at the top. He climbed down the scaffold and come down the stairs. He come to me and said, Brother V., I think I have a problem. I didn't say, well, come on, let's go to the altar. We'll pray and that nail will dissolve. I told one of his family members, I said, take him to the hospital. If we believe that for pneumonia and nails in your thumb and broken arms, then there's also times when for whatever reason, maybe it's a chemical imbalance, maybe it's trauma or something, that you need help. You need to get help. Amen. So I'm not negating that, but what I am saying is you can negate as much of that as possible by practicing biblical habits without ignoring if it's a clinical or chronic situation. I'm not saying it. I'm saying you can lift yourself. And everybody goes into low points. Everybody gets discouraged. Everybody has times when stress and discouragement take hold. And you can practice biblical habits that lift your spirit. Amen. Praise God. These are the kind of nights when I realize I am not an evangelist. John 16 and 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me, this is Jesus talking, in me, 
you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. So the Holy Ghost told Paul, and Jesus told the disciples, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I love, I love Brother Wilson's statement. It'll be all right in the end. If it's not all right, you can finish it, right? It's not the end. Psalms 9, 9 and 10. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. Aren't you glad to know that he has not forsaken? Hallelujah. I wonder if you just close your eyes and lift your hand with me. I don't, I don't really exactly know. I, I honestly, I don't have a clue of anyone specific that I'm speaking to tonight. But I know I'm dealing with people living in a difficult age. And the struggles and the tests of life abound. But God has not forsaken those that seek him. God, I thank you that you're with us in our trials and tests. God, when life throws us a curve that we could not prepare for, even if we knew it was coming, we couldn't prepare for it. But God, you make a way. I'm asking you, Lord, for everyone that's with us tonight in the house, watching online, or may watch this at some future point. I'm asking you, God, to let the anointing of the Holy Ghost strengthen and help. Help us, God, to become the gatekeepers of our mind. To not give access to every negative, every, everything in the world that tries to bring us down. Help us, God, to plant as much positive as we can in our life. Through prayer, through the Word of God. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us to begin to take initiative for what we feed our minds. That we do not have to allow everything in this world access to how we think. I ask you, God, to help those that are dealing with discouragement, depression. I ask you, God, to be a very present help in the time of trouble. Lord, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. God, I pray somebody find their morning time in your spirit, Lord. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us to understand that we can practice habits that will lift our spirit and god i pray for this church family i plead the blood over their families and their lives over their children their finances their marriages mind body and spirit i ask you god to be their strength their help god i pray lord let there be a hedge around your people and we thank you for it in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. god bless you you are dismissed
in the name of the Lord. 